Welcome to week two of the HU Pirateship Podcast. You can find us at www.hupirateship.com where we talk about the pirates. It's free to join and anyone can join. Verified pirates are treated to inside information about HU and HU Athletics. So sign up. Join the discussion. I am your host, Tariq, a.k.a. Big Reek from the HU Pirateship webcast or website. And uh, to, I'm a 2000, year 2000 alum. This week we have HU Pirateship member Hampton Knight to help break down this week's game against Richmond. Hey, what's going on, Hampton Knight? Oh, nothing much. How are you? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. A good, a good Sunday as we break down this game. So I'm, I'm over, over the Richmond game, which is a, a good thing. How about yourself? Uh, I'm over it, um, but there's always stuff that still lingers. So, yeah. Cool. Yep. Understand. Understand. Well, we're going to get to those things today. So, uh, as with all games, we, we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. And then we'll also absolutely. Through, <laughs> that's right. And we also go through some other MEAC scores, and uh, then we'll talk about next week's game against the Bison, the other HU. So. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Normal. That's Howard right. Normal. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So the bad for this week, i like to start with the bad, uh, just because there still is a bad taste in my mouth because we did lose the game. Um, i like to start with the second-half collapse. Um, so, again, that was a problem all last year. It's been a problem in two games this year. Uh, the Pirates had a half or a, a lead at the half, and especially in this game against Richmond, they led 21-10 to 10 at the half. And then, inexplicably, in the second half, they were outscored 21-7 to in the second half. Uh, Richmond uh, completely stopped the Hampton run or whatever uh, run attempts they did uh, attempt. Hampton did attempt. They didn't really go anywhere at all. Anywhere at all. And then I just kind of frustrated the whole pass game, it seems. So that got out of sync, and they had to pass even when they didn't want to. And then on the other hand, Richmond got their run game going. They sped up the tempo. Just listen to some of their player post-game remarks, and they just sped sped up the tempo and just wore down the Hampton defense in the second half. So, and just to finally put a bow on that whole game, Richmond ran out the clock with uh, they got the ball with 58 minutes and 53 seconds on at the end of the game, and they just uh, ran the clock down to zero minutes zero seconds. So that's a textbook drive. So, uh, any thoughts on that, Hampton? Hampton night in the second half? Oh, absolutely. Um, especially when we saw Richmond, they started off the game just uh, basic passing uh, out routes. And I think when they started switching over late in the fourth quarter, you started seeing uh, players go right at our interior defensive linemen. And you started to notice our interior defensive linemen, they were pretty much gassed. And Maynard, Maynard could not, was not able to substitute players because they were doing a no-huddle offense. That's right. He says that. And if you notice, um, it took a while for the coaching staff to adjust to the sudden, sudden rushing attack. Uh, they kept attacking the right side of the actual defensive alignment front. So to counter that, they finally started doing some stunts. And it worked late, but Richmond being a, uh, I would say, a pretty well-coached team, yeah, they smart. started using, yeah, yeah, they played smart football, and if you notice, um, Hampton was still aggressive. You, um, I think it was like on the third and 14, the, uh, the, the defensive line and the linebackers did an all-out blitz 
and Richmond, uh, Richmond countered with a, a screen pass, I think for like 15, 16 yards. I mean, it was an excellent call, and and that is just something that uh, – that's just good coaching. And I'm not saying Hampton had it. Hampton, uh, of course, had great coaching, but I think that was probably a key call at a key moment. Indeed, indeed, yep. And, and, and also, um, those things tend to work when you get wore down. So, you know, you, you start – you know, maybe that screen pass wouldn't have worked earlier in the game, but, you know, you start mm-hmm. – you know, subtle keys and, you, you know, you just start – Playing a little bit faster, and uh, you know that thing worked where it may not have worked earlier in the game. So, yeah, it was uh, un- unfortunate uh, with that with the conditioning. It's, that's kind of what one of the Richmond State players are saying as well. I just wish we remember his name, but uh, he just kind of yes. into that. He, he noticed that there was a, a definite difference in the second half. Yes, it was definitely a difference. Um, I think, and I do have to applaud Maynard for his tactics. He was basically relentless on offense. Um, he kept attacking. And we, we rarely seen that with a Hampton team or any HBCU in general when they're, play, when they're playing uh, uh, a different style, a different caliber of football. If they get the lead, they tend to become extremely conservative, whereas Maynard was just um, putting, putting his foot on the metal the whole time. Now, I think the defense, when it came to – uh, their plan, they were still aggressive, but Richmond, of course, has used their aggression against them. And I noticed on certain plays, uh, Richmond in the first half was just doing like five-step drops. Uh, I mean, the quarterback was doing five-step drops with the uh, receivers doing ten-step hooks. You know, just simple passing plays. But in the second half, you started noticing they started doing out routes. And our, it pretty much threw off a lot of our defenders who were waiting for who were trying to jump those little hooks and curls, and those out routes created about an, a lot of rack yards. Yeah. So we saw like five yard catches become ten yard runs, and it, it, it was it was a smart play. And I just think that going forward, uh, the defense has to kind of be able to shift quickly, a lot quicker um, than they've done in the past. Very true, very true. Excellent, excellent analysis. So let's hope that happens. I mean, I think even to, you know, being in that position with Richmond late in the game is, is pretty impressive. So let's hope that they continue mm-hmm. to make those adjustments. Uh, that's, and, you know, that's, a, that's definitely a positive uh, step in the right direction. So, all right, I think we covered that collapse a little bit. So let's talk about penalties. <laughs> I mean, oh man, lord! Those refs, man. I mean, yeah. You don't, I don't want it. The head ref, his his face is. I just remember his face on the broadcast. Like, I don't want to see that dude's <laughs> face again, man. I mean, he was so involved. He made so many calls. I mean, a Hampton mm-hmm. alone. I mean, you know, they didn't help their own case. I mean, they had 11 penalties for 105 yards, but some of them were just kind of crazy uh, on both sides. I mean, they they were bad mm-hmm. on both sides as far as penalties. But at times, there Absolutely. were some things that we could have controlled. There were certain things late in the game um, that were went either way, but certainly some, um, mm-hmm. you know, like a referee and a punter, that sort of thing, where you can't oh, put yeah. that on the refs. But, you know, any other things, any, any other thoughts on the refs, man? Not much else I could say. It was just bad. But we didn't help our case either. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, I noticed the that they were calling, I would say, somewhat ticky-tack calls. Because um, even with Richmond, 
Uh, I think there was a play where one of our defensive linemen and their center got into a minor scuffle. Yes. And the center, I mean, the, the defensive lineman tr- was disengaging, and the, they grabbed the center, and they called a penalty on the center for Richmond. And it was, you could tell both, both sides were already separated, and they were walking away, and the ref just called a foul. And that was just for Richmond. Yeah. Now, when it comes to when it comes to Hampton, I think uh, that I think the first play we're going to say right now is Miles Groves roughing the ass of penalties. Oh penalty. my goodness, man! That was awful. It was. I mean, it was very awful. I mean, when the, when the quarterback released his ball, it, it wasn't even a split second. He was already on the quarterback with that type of momentum. It was it was inevitable that he would have been hit, and. I don't know if that was a makeup call, but it was. Some, it, I think that pretty much started to change the momentum of the actual game. Sure. And then, and then of course, we're going to talk about the taunting penalty. Right. Now, the thing with the taunting penalty, I noticed was that uh, I think it was the uh, Turner number thirteen when he tackled him. When he hit the ground, his helmet came off, yep. and he was clapping. And I understand, you know, you clap clapping, yeah, yeah. And if his helmet was on and he was clapping, would that be, I mean, would that be taunting? I, like I, mean, I, I hope not. I, I, I hope not. I, <laughs> please, no. I, yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't. And when you see that, you're saying, oh, okay, well, well, I don't think that was taunting. But I will say this, the referee probably saw it late and thought he took off his helmet and was clapping. And if you go back to what the paper said, the reporter that asked Maynard, Maynard said, I saw him tackle him, his helmet came off, and I watched him, watched his mouth. He didn't say anything. So even though I know that's the coach talking, the coach is always going to stick up for his player, I still felt that that was a terrible call. So those are two hard calls that were on third downs, and I think one was on a fourth down. Yes. And – and I mean, it changed the pride of the game. But uh, to play devil's advocate on that taunting penalty, I mean, uh, it was, should the player not have been clapping? Yes. But do I think it was ticky-tack? Of course. But, I mean, was it a discipline issue? I don't think so, but I can see both sides. Yeah. But I still, go, I still go on the fact that those are just two atrocious calls. And I think that the I think uh, the commissioner Thomas definitely needs to speak about these officials. And it was just a terrible, terrible crew. And it, it harkens back to the day when Hampton played William and Mary. I think it was in 1998, and the infamous no call tackle. Yeah, I was, I, was in the stand, I was in the stands for yeah. the game. <laughs> yes, I, I was there too. I, I was in the, I was I was in the press box. Yep. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I well I wouldn't count on Dennis Thomas saying anything about these Absolutely refs. I mean it, it, hopefully you just kinda I, I guess from the off MEAC office perspective, you might just want to move on from this. I mean, it was just an embarrassment uh to anything related to football, MEAC football. So Oh yeah, absolutely. It was awful. So <laughs> wait, and also last note on that: didn't one of the chain gang members get kicked out for arguing with the the Richmond sideline? I mean, it was. It was yes. Oh man. Yes, it was basically, and I've seen this before, and it wasn't with the chain gang. 
It was when, <laughs> and this goes back all the way back to William and Mary. The assistant coaches for William and Mary were in the press box, and the Hampton servers who were serving the food in the press box were arguing with the William and Mary coaches, talking about they were cheating. Oh, one wow. dude, yes, and one of the servers threw a chicken wing at a William and Mary coach. Wait, is that, of gourmet, course was, is that gourmet services? Gourmet services. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't promptly fired, but considering the circumstances, I understood how how angry he was. Yeah, I appreciate the school spirit with that one, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The penalties were bad. I mean, just all the way around. Got to clean that up. Um, yeah. All right. On to more bad issues. Uh, just to run offense and run defense. Uh, just quick mm-hmm. stats on that. I mean. The offense ran 29 times for 88 yards, and the defense gave up 158 yards and 39 carries. And as we mentioned, that most of those things came in the second half. So mm-hmm. you know, just got worn down. And I think in the second half, because that the, the Hampton run game was ineffective, I mean, it just – I mean, Mana has no problem passing the ball. But, you know, at some point in time, you know, you want to kind of slow it down a little bit and try and, you know, at least get four yards here or there. But it seemed like he just abandoned that thing in the second half. So that was just my thoughts on the run offense and defense. So. Um, let's start with the run offense. Um, if we've noticed, uh, Walker hasn't been sacked one bit. Yep. And that's a testament to how strong the offensive line is, that is pass block-wise. Yep. And if you and if you're like a Madden guy, you get that that, that offensive line is like a, I would say like a the pass block is like eight plus or like at ninety eight percent, but the run blocking <laughs> I would I, I would give it I wouldn't even give it I I would say it was pretty much below average but not terrible. Right. I mean we just do not get enough push off of the ball and. I like Dukes because he's a shifty runner, same way, and Garrett's more of a power guy. But if there are not any holes that you can create for them, then you can expect them, you can expect them to struggle. Yeah. And uh, I hate to call a player out, and I will not, but that center and guard combo, they need to either, they, they probably need to be chopping their feet a little more yeah. or getting, getting inside. They gotta hit the sled, man. They gotta hit the sled. Exactly, exactly. You gotta hit the sled, man. You can't. You just can't be six three, three fifty, man. You know. You know. You gotta. You got to have. You gotta have some swiftness to you, and of course, you gotta do hit those sleds. Now, if we take it to the opposite side of the ball with the run defense, uh, I I saw a lot of good things with Zimmerman, the new guy, Farrell, and. of course, you got grooms in there and Obasui. And uh, I know I'm missing one, Owens. Yeah. Now, they actually do a good job plugging holes. I just think that sometimes the calls were the calls were not benefiting the actual alignment. Because if you notice, Richmond at one point just started running to one side, they running did. to one side. Yep. And I just did not see the shift so the shift to that actual spot. You know, you can't have a linebacker uh, go go up against a guard, or you know, because somebody's going to have to hit the tackler, and the tackler, by the time he gets past the guard, he's already into the secondary. And 
I just think that's more something that schematically needs to be addressed rather than the actual deep run defense. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I think I think it's also a schematic thing on the offensive side because – Oh, yes, I mean, yes. I, like I always say, I mean, they got the booties to be able to get down there and run. I mean, they got some big – Oh, yeah. There, so oh, yeah. It's just, a, it's just a, a schematic desire thing. So I'm not – I'm not. We're not privy to you know how much of an emphasis Maynard makes on it, but I mean those guys should be able to get down and at least get a push because even against smaller teams, I mean it's the same. It's the same thing. There's just no push there. The the will isn't there. So maybe maybe it's something that can be addressed, but it doesn't seem like a talent or, or a size yeah. issue. So yeah, definitely not a size issue. Definitely not a talent issue. I just think do they want to do it? Right. I mean I. It's cool to throw 40 passes a game, but sooner or later, defenses are going to figure that out. That's true. And and to make it to complicate a little bit more, I mean, the, the offense is multiple, and they do line up in pro formation. So they're not one of, like, these yeah. spread teams. I mean, they'll bring in two tight ends and a fullback and get three yards. So I, I just – Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And – I also think maybe if you're going to start doing those sets more, you might start shifting, uh, run a couple trap plays, you know. Right. It looks like they just run a lot of power plays, off-tackle plays, very few counters. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely agree. Yeah, and maybe one thing that would help, but you don't want to expose them, is take your pick, you know, pick your just take some shots at, at Watford with the run. I mean, he might be the best runner on the team, but – yeah, I mean, you yeah. don't you don't want to expose them because without him, <laughs> oh yeah. So. Now this is my question. Yeah, I see on the sidelines. Okay, when I look for the backup quarterbacks, I, of course I see Antoine, and uh, he's dressed, and I think he's redshirted. Yep. But I always see JJ Williamson not dressed out. So what happens if Walker gets hurt? I guess if Watford gets hurt, they're just gonna burn the red shirt. I mean, they're gonna burn that uh, red shirt of. Um, oh, okay. Uh, what? Yeah, I forgot his name. Okay, Antoine. 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 Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's just in the back pocket. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, but you know, yeah, that's a whole other conversation for for. Exactly. But, uh, yes, yes. So let's hope they don't. We don't go there. And, yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm. Definitely knocking on wood on that, but yes. but I still think they need to dress J.J. Williamson since he's somewhat familiar with the offense. Yeah, and is there a limit to the number of guys you can dress? I mean, it ain't the pros, right? I mean, I... <laughs> I, I do not know, but I do see a lot of players on the sideline just in Jersey. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know what their plan is, but that's, that's totally them on it. Yep. So my my last bad, I guess it's not necessarily bad, but it's just not a positive either. It's just the the special teams, and I don't remember anything that they've done or didn't do, mm-hmm. but they're mm-hmm. not, they're not helping at all. So I, I mean, you know, with the defense, you know, struggling late in games and the offense struggling late, I mean, they need something to tip the balance, and the special teams ain't it. So they need to be special. Oh, yeah, and I mean, I noticed, you know, it's the first game. Uh, they did that swinging gate formation for the punt team, and it totally backfired was because they weren't. Because it seemed like the punter was the only man swinging. Like, everybody, <laughs> like maybe he missed the call or something, man. What, what happened there? 
Oh, I think I think the the Kentucky State defensive guys were on him before he even got the ball. Yeah, yeah. And and with that, and if you if you're a punter, if you have to think that way, then your punts are always going to be off kilter. Right. And I just and I noticed that they they it looked like they tried to clean it up somewhat for the next game, but I do think that that is definitely a problem because we have an All American punter in Xavier Kenny. That's right. And Adam Brown is a pretty decent kicker, and I know they got a new long snapper. I just think that they need to put more of an emphasis on that because we Xavier uh, Kenny has been known to put the ball between the five five yard line and the end zone. So. I mean, I do think that they need to actually address that more because you can't win in just two phases. You have to win in three. That's true. That's true. And, I, and I'm also wondering if this has anything to do with depth. I mean, I think the front line starters on both sides of the ball are pretty good. And, you know, they can compete with anyone on the schedule. But after mm-hmm. that, I don't know how deep they go. So, I wonder if they need to start some guys on special teams, but you risk the injury, of course. But I'm not sure if the guys who are playing there now are just, you know, maybe strong enough or experienced enough to to make a difference. But, you know, we'll just see how yeah. it goes. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, definitely on that. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, that, that's, that's my bad. Anything else to throw in on the bad list? Or, I mean, all things considered, that's not too bad. But <laughs> no, no. Um, no, I think we're pretty good there. Yeah. Swing it over to the good. So uh, I guess my my, my first uh, thought is that you know the team competed. I mean I, mm-hmm. I, ain't, I ain't in the moral victories, but um, uh, I think everyone thought they would play well against Richmond. But I mean they should have won the game. Um, yeah, I, definitely. Yeah. So I, I you know I, I just like the way the team competed. Um, the other good uh, the pass rush. I mean like you said they gave up no sacks and. Wapner still hasn't been sacked the whole year, and uh, they had two sacks. And in the first half, I mean, they were all over that quarterback. I mean, yeah, yeah so, I mean, they, they were hitting him pretty pretty good and uh, confusing yeah. him at times, too. I, I didn't see that first interception. Did you see that and, and see what caused that first pick? It was it uh, it, I wouldn't say it was pressure. I just think it looked like the player was just out of position, and the quarterback threw it to a, pre, a predetermined route. And – Nobody was there but the Hampton defender. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it just looked – it was a bad play all around. Yep, yep. So, and um, – Cool, man. Yeah, pass rush, I mean, so that, that's doing well. Uh, yeah, I do think the pass rush was was very, very productive. Uh, of course, you got big grooms, and he, he can hurt you in multiple ways. Uh he could he could beat you on a speed rush, a bull rush, and definitely on a stunt play. And with I guess the new rookie Pharrell, and he really could push that pocket back. Yeah, so yes, the pass rush was the pass rush was was very good. And be, being that it may, the pass rush, I mean that should have been we should have won. I mean we should have won the game because we had the edge in defensive sacks. And I think all around, Hampton had better athletes than Richmond. Yeah, I, I just think, I mean, from defense to offense, we had the better athletes. I just think that the actual, when Richmond started, when, when they took it to Hampton, meaning they ran right at them, 
then that was Hampton's time to put up and shut up, and they did not. Yes, agree. Agree. Nothing nothing more to be said there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I, I'd also, another uh, good point, that, you know, Hampton won the turnover battle. No turnovers. Yes. Uh, I, yes. I, when is the last time that's happened? Did that happen last week? Uh, oh, no. Uh, Watford threw three picks oh, last right. That's week. right. That's right. I cannot remember the last time Hampton won the turnover battle. So, <laughs> so I'll give you props on that one. And uh, I think at times the passing game was working when things were, at least they were trying to run the ball. But, um, you know, when, when Maynard, I mean, when uh, Watford goes back to throw, man, I mean, he looks like a, a bona fide D1 quarterback. So, I mean, it looks sharp at times. And any thoughts on the passing game? Oh, uh, the passing game, I would say, is probably, literally, I would say, could be the best of, best in the MEAC. And probably best in the slack. Um, you, if you think about it, I mean, it starts up front with the line. You got Torian White, and you and you got Ronald or Ronnie Cruz on the other side. Yeah, Cruz and is surprising me, man. He's playing well. So it's surprising. Yes, yeah. he beat out a lot of players just to get that uh, starting job. And then when you think about it, now you got, of course, T.J. Nixon, who I think should probably get a good look for, at the next level. And you got Rayshard Riddick, who I was, who I, who I always thought is uh, is a sleeper. And of course, then you got Leon Shorter, who was injured last year, but is a long distance threat, along with Rayshon Proctor, who could just beat you deep. And then you got Shaquem Alonzo, who's a red zone threat. And that, to me, right there, just says it all. Then you have Charles. Yeah. Oh wait, wait. Just one last thing. Did you see Shaquem? I mean, they, he actually got a lot of snaps this week. I mean, I think yes. the timing is there, but I mean, he's a beast, man. He, he, he's got yeah. something. Yeah. He's he's definitely a beast, and that pass that Walker did was just right on right on the money. It was a back shoulder throw in the corner of the end zone, and he just stretched out for it, and the defender had no way he could have stopped it. Yeah. So the passing game is fine. I mean, the passing game is actually perfect. I just, it's just, they, if they could somehow figure out a way to slow them down by just running right at them, it wouldn't be a, it, we, it would not have, it would have been over before it began for Richard. Indeed. Because, because you kept that defense out there long, they'll be tired. And we just didn't do that. Yep, indeed. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Well, that's, that's, man, that's good. I think a good, I think we beat this last game to death. I mean, all in yeah. all, it was a good effort, came up short, and, you know, there's definitely some things they hopefully can improve on uh, mm-hmm. as they get into the into the MEAC. Uh, so, mm-hmm. speaking of the MEAC, I'll, I'll just go through the scores. I'm not sure if you looked at the scoreboard this week for the MEAC, but it's it's ugly, man. I mean, <laughs> the MEAC was 1-9 this week. Um, yes. <laughs> with the only win coming uh, with Bethune-Cookman over Grambling State, 56-53. Mm-hmm. So, I guess this is a different Bethune game, a, a Bethune team without uh, Jenkins as, as the head coach. So yeah. They got the only win. So, I'll rattle through some of these ugly scores just so you can, folks can understand how bad it was this week. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Morgan State lost to Illinois State um, mm-hmm. 67-14. 
Norfolk State lost to Old Dominion 24-10. to 10. I mean, although that was a competitive game, but they still took the L on that one. Um, Coastal Carolina beat South Carolina State, and by all accounts, it was a it was a beatdown. Um, mm-hmm. And the score really doesn't indicate that how bad that was. Kent State beat up on Delaware State 45-13. North Carolina beat uh, A&T 53-14. I mean, hanging 14 at uh, – at the Keenan Stadium for A&T is pretty somewhat impressive. So they didn't get oh. blanked by other teams. So A&T is going to be a problem uh, when we play them this year. Um, Duke shut out Central 55 to nothing. Sanford beat Florida A&M 58-21. Howard lost 76-0 to to Boston College. And, of course, we lost 31-28 to Richmond. So ugly week for the Miac. I think we're like Miac teams are playing each other this this week, so it should shouldn't be this bad. It should be a little more competitive uh and going into week three. So not a good week for the conference. Uh, oh no. It was definitely a bad week. I mean but if you think about it, this is what this is what money game week for some teams like Howard, uh Ante, of course, Delaware State, Central and uh and I, I think Coastal Carolina is making that jump too, but yep. uh, they haven't gone there yet. But and of course Morgan State who lost to Illinois State uh, and Norfolk State, and they just lost to Old Dominion. I think these uh, these games are not indicative of our conference. I mean, I know you see these beatdown games, but I would say like this, and I always say this about these games. Take away the second team people and the third team people. Let's just play first team against first team. The game will be a lot closer, and the, and it wouldn't be much of a blowout because the because both sides have talent, and I and I, and I would put that on any school. Mm-hmm. But being that it may, being that it may, I think we need to seriously take a look at these money games because. Sometimes, what what Billy Joe said, he said uh, that with the size and speed of these FBS players um, going against the smaller FCS players, then this is bound for a collision to occur that might be catastrophic. And I just don't want to see Savannah State or Howard or any other institution, you know, see a player being carted off the field because of a uh, six foot three, two hundred and sixty five linebacker just smashed a, a five foot nine, hundred and eighty nine pound wide receiver. So uh, I I I'm always on the fence with these games, but you know, this is football. This is what these kids signed up for. Yeah, I agree. I mean I think the the player safety perspective is one other perspective, but I think if 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 you're paying the bills by subjecting these kids to beatdowns like this, I think to really look at your economic model. Um, Absolutely. This does not seem to be in the spirit of any kind of, you know, collegiate, you know, camaraderie or experience building. I mean, these are just beatdowns, tune-ups for the big schools and beatdowns for the smaller schools to help balance the checkbook. And, uh, you know, just you should really consider, you know, why we're here if if that's what it takes to to keep a department afloat. But, you know... I don't know what we've done, we, Royal We at Hampton, to avoid these sort of things, but, you know, we, we, we typically <laughs> have been able to 
avoid these beat-down games. So, uh, you know, we, uh, I guess we're doing something right. Uh, yeah, we uh, yeah we balance our checkbook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna throw this to the brothers on me, fans. Yeah, we balance our checkbook and we don't overpay. So of course, so of course we don't have to play money games and we're not gonna be pimped out. So yeah, yeah. Take take that uh, Spartan Ghost and K, K Smith or whatever. <laughs> That's true. That's true, man. Okay, on to the next. Now, I'll, I'll tee this up for you, man, because I know how you feel about the Bison. Um, so this week we take on Howard at RFK Stadium in D.C. Um, everyone's excited about it. Um, a whole lot of stats I can ramble through, which I will do next. But I'll, I'll tee this up and let you talk about the battle for the real H.E. I hate that whole thing, the name of that. There's only one H.E., but I'll let you take that off. Absolutely. I mean... I know a lot of people say Hampton was an institute. I mean, it still was a university. It was just called Hampton Institute. And let's be let's be pretty clear with Howard. It was Howard Normal for a long time. And, and but anyway, we're not going to go on that. This is about football. Now, I do. I have felt very horrible for the past what five to six years under uh, the. Under the previous regime, how we lost, started losing to Howard. And I'm talking about losing badly. Yeah. And before that, we actually beat Howard 15 straight years. Yeah. And it was Howard, the actual Howard game was our actual we just show up game to win. And now it be, somewhat became competitive. And the fact that it's competitive actually kind of makes me a little bit mad. I mean, I mean, if we think about it, I mean, we care about our athletics. But anyway, just <laughs> my analysis. Just uh, my analysis on this game. I um, the previous quarterback is gone. Uh, Greg uh, number five, the All Miac guy last year. I think he's playing um, for the CFL. He is gone. So now they got a whole new guy. And I actually was at their spring practice game. They're pretty impressive but they're beatable. So I think Hampton will have the edge passing, of course. Also think that their defense is quick enough to stop Howard. So my prediction, I would say Watford tosses two touchdowns, two to three touchdown passes. I say Hampton wins in a, a nail-biter, 24-21. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean – uh, my 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 gut is telling me that this game should not be close. I mean, I know, I know we can't, I know we can't go off of what we've seen with Howard. I mean, they've lost their first two games, 125 to nothing, the Appalachian State and Boston College. Mm-hmm. But I mean, mm-hmm. there are certain things, two things that Hampton does not do well. They don't run the ball well, and they don't stop the run late in games. And Howard yes. Howard isn't a running team. Um, they're not. Yes. They're not physical. So if there is a matchup, this is a good matchup for us, and I think I think Watford is the difference here, um, yes. and I think he can just slice them up. But you know, yeah, I mean this game is Friday in DC, all the distractions, everybody gonna be geeked up. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's gonna be closer, and I, I like your prediction there. That like the score sounds about right, but all things being equal, I mean this should not be close. But I wouldn't be surprised if if it were. 
I agree. I do. I think that this is the game that Howard gets up for. Yeah. Um, they're probably they'll get up for this game, Morgan State, and maybe Ante. But they want this game more than anything. That's right. And because now their season starts, they play. They've been pimped out. They played their two <laughs> beatdown games. Yeah. You know, they 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 took they shut shut up, and so now they're saying, okay, we back to where we actually could actually make a difference in the NEAC, and we're going to go after Hanson. Right. And <laughs> hopefully, I mean, I'm just hoping that that Maynard knows that this game in Norfolk State, you, I mean, these are just, you don't lose to Howard. You don't lose to Howard, and you definitely don't lose to Norfolk State. Right. And, and just, just to hear the vitriol with HU, like, oh, Hanson. Have the HIU. I mean, no, we're gonna to have to beat them, beat it in submission, and hopefully it's the team that will do it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But you know, I, I think Maynard does know. I mean, he played at A and T, and I'm down in North Carolina <laughs> now. So the rivalry between like North Carolina A uh, and T and Central and Winston Salem, it's it's on the same level as Hampton Hampton Howard. Mm-hmm. So he should be well versed in, in, in what this game means means to folks. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna have people at this game that don't know anything about football, but they're just gonna be there to yell if their team scores <laughs> or does Absolutely. Right. So Absolutely. And I live here in D yeah. And I live here in D C uh down right down the street from Howard, uh, literally across the street in Georgia Avenue. Literally every time I wear my Hampton thing paraphernalia to a barbershop to the grocery store, I'm always accosted by some somebody. So yeah, I'm definitely waiting just to gloat. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's gonna happen this week. You, you, we will be gloating. I just hope it ain't close. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's a blowout. I mean, I do want to see a game, but well, I, mean, I, least I want, want a blowout. I want a blowout. Yeah, I, <laughs> I want. I want. I want to actually make it so bad that they just want to go home and have them. Yep. But. This is the type of thing Hampton plays down to with competition. Sure do. So hopefully this won't happen this game, but we'll see. Yep, yep. Excellent, man. Well, we'll be watching, and uh, you'll be there, and I hope I'll be there. But at any rate, we'll follow up next week and, and give some thoughts on the game. So, man, it's been great talking to you, and uh, uh, we'll uh, talk next week. Okay. All right, go guys. Pirates. Yep, go Pirates, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll be back next week. Bye. All right.